And I got another guess this time. Let's get into it, boys. So, if you listened to the last episode, or hopefully if you listened recently, you have heard a name by the name of Isaac Scott, the great philosopher of our time, Isaac Scott, a man who can beat a hundred men in a strength contest. Uh, what else? The greatest ladies' man ever born. Yeah, I can't do any of those things. <laughs> I was waiting for you to stop me. Yeah, no. So, hype aside, I did come back for another episode. This one's special. (laughs) Yeah, this one is going to be a bit different than the typical formula, or what Gabe has told me is usually the typical formula. Today we're going to be talking about uh, a few games. We're going to be taking turns talking about a few games that each of us have been playing recently, and games that we think that you, the listener, should check out if you haven't already. So... With me being mainly a Nintendo and him being mainly PlayStation and Xbox. Yeah, so there is a bit of a difference in taste here, but hopefully this means... And platform. (laughs) Yeah, and platform. But hopefully this means by the end of the episode, regardless of your taste in game, you'll have something good on your list to check out if you just keep on listening. Yeah, let's get into it, shall we? So the main game I've been playing a lot of these past few days has been Bravely Default 2. See, I have no idea what that is, so we're already still. You remember that game we could that we couldn't play before first set of four fighting because I had to get to a save point? Yes. That was Bravely Default 2. Okay. It is a old school in the vein of old school Final Fantasy with job system. I guess it's more so Final Fantasy V. This is all over your head right now, isn't it? I've heard of Final Fantasy. I have not played a lot of it, but I do have the general gist of some of it, but I know trying to understand the story of Final Fantasy would require a semester's long instruction period. Each game is on its own, though. Yeah. But they still have connecting threads. Okay, we'll see. That goes to show. He just, for those of you obviously who weren't here, he just nodded no. So, it goes to show how much I know about the series. Anyways, continue on with your explanation. So... Old school Final Fantasy game, stories, you know, kind of interesting, but it's a real pretty, pretty little game for a Switch game. Got a lot of nice details, and it's mainly the job system that makes it top tier in my eyes so far. I'm only about 20 hours in, level 25, and I have had more fun trying to figure out my main jobs and sub jobs than anything else. It's I, I don't I, I clearly won't have too much to talk about because I know you don't have too much comments on old school RPG styles. Uh, it's definitely not my genre of choice. I'm much more, I don't know if mainstream is the word, but I definitely do like a lot of big AAA games. I do play some indie games. Uh, I'm not gonna this talk was made about. by Square Enix. Yeah, but this is just not my genre of choice. But uh, yeah, like, like I said, it goes to show how much I know about the franchise. Like little to nothing. Well, Gary Winfall only has like three actual games and like a weird mobile game in Japan. Okay. See, I don't know any of that, so thank you for telling me. I 
Yeah, they've mainly been, been confined to 3DS and Switch, and then the latest ones on Steam. Okay, I got you. But yeah, I just, I don't know a lot about the franchise, so I can't really comment on it, but I'm curious to see what else you have to say about it. Like, I love, because it's a turn-based system with a really nice gimmick, so you play Pokemon, right? Yes. Imagine if you could play Pokemon, but take four turns in a row. Okay. That's how the Brave system works, because you can either get a guard and get an extra turn next turn, or you can expend it. It's basically BP. BP, it starts at zero every fight. You can go up to three and down to negative three. If you have negative, you can't move, and you get one back every turn until you get zero. Okay. And you can stockpile up to three and take four turns to get back to zero. Okay, I got you. So you want you can do it for your healer. You can have your main damage brute, damage dealing bruiser guard and get more turns built up, while the other characters are boosting him up buffs. And then some of the stronger moves require like a BP to use, so it takes a full turn. I got you. It's basically this huge balancing act of keeping your turn economy and do defaulting, which is basically you know guard. You're, you're trying to... You, it's a lot better than guard in a normal RPG just because you block so much more damage. Okay, I got you. Like it effectively halves it, in my opinion, sometimes. But the enemy can do it too, and you gotta look out for them, like, blitzing everything. Okay. Some of the bosses are nightmarish in that sense. And the music. Because some of your characters get a special attack. I showed you one of them. Yes, you did show me that the other day. And they'll, it'll play that character's theme song. Okay. And while the song is playing, and it's only for like three turns, but all your characters get a huge buff. Not bo- well, boost and buff. Okay. Until until song and it goes back to the regular battle theme or the boss theme. But for that little bit, like, you feel unstoppable. It's such a great game feel. Okay. It's like arcade in that sense, or just very empowering? Yeah, very empowering. Like, uh... Like uh, when the music changes, Devil May Cry 5. Yeah, as you progress with style ranks. Yeah. Because it's a reward for being able to survive and play well and you use it at a critical moment. Okay, so it's encouraging not just... When, when, that, when that song is playing, that's when you're supposed to dominate because it's, some of the effects are like plus 25% damage, plus 30% defense. defense. Okay. Uh, increased accuracy. Like... Oh man, it's so fun. And the art, the art's pretty good. Just from what you saw, I showed you all the different job outfits. It was definitely pretty unique, but uh, not your thing. I'm gonna be completely just honest with you. JRPGs are not my go-to thing. I do enjoy things. I do like Persona Five, but that's about the extent of my knowledge on the genre. Aside from. Persona 5 and Pokemon throughout the years, but Pokemon is very mainstream, and I feel like whenever you think of a turn-based RPG, Pokemon is usually what a lot of people default to. It might be a genuine coin flip between Pokemon and Final Fantasy. I agree with you there, because like I was saying, I grew up playing Pokemon, but I know a lot of people and some close friends of mine that enjoy Final Fantasy very much as well, including you. So I like the... I hate the direction they're going in with Final Fantasy these days. If it wasn't for Bravely Default filling in that niche for me, I'd be yeah. so mad. Yeah, but I, mean, I feel they've gone action. So they've gone so action heavy at Final Fantasy these days. It's not even like the same series anymore. Yeah, I just feel like turn-based RPGs are 
how do I put that? In many ways, turn-based RPGs, and I feel like the reason why the genre is not as big as it once was, just in the general sphere, is A, they're not necessarily mainstream as much as they used to be. Uh, I'd say the most mainstream turn-based RPGs would have been Final Fantasy, but as you said, they're making more of a direction shift towards action RPG with their gameplay. Yeah, even like uh, Square Enix has said something along the same lines of, oh, people don't like turn-based anymore. There's there's people like me who love turn-based. I feel like it's definitely more of a niche, though, but you're absolutely right. There is a... It's a considerable niche. It's not something that should be ignored. So if you have a studio... Like, and I know there's a few games like uh, Pathfinder Kingmaker. It's like a it's a D and D style game. Yeah. Well, it's a Pathfinder game, but D and D is like the best way I can say it. Okay. And it can have active combat, or you can turn it into turn based combat. Okay, so there's options. Yeah, and that's why I really love it because I'm not good at those active time. I mean, it's not an action game. It's like a think of a, think of a strategy game like Starcraft. It's kind of like that. Okay, but it's more. But you can turn it into turn based. Still very heavy. RPG elements. Very heavy. Okay. It's a D&D offshoot kind of game. I should say more traditional turn-based RPG elements because RPGs are still very much a prevalent genre. Well, I feel like a lot of RPGs these days are just like, oh yeah, you can put skill points here and do more damage. It's a lot like, uh, not exactly like Elden Ring in terms of formula, but like Elden Ring. Well, Elden Ring is an RPG. It is, but in terms of character building they're all very similar. You have a skill tree or you have stats that you can upgrade over time with skill points, different weapons, different armor sets. I feel like it's what I'd like to refer to as the Morrowind period in gaming. And hear me out because with the Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind, a lot of things that we take for granted today really found its roots and foundation in the RPG sphere in terms of character creation, uh, what type of armor you wear, what weapons you use, spells, uh, things of that nature, and put them in an open world setting and with real-time combat, with RPG elements. That is something we take for granted today, but I feel like Morrowind was a very big catalyst. Like, I love character building games, and I'll, I'll get into that with my next with my next choice, but like, SMT, I love SMT, because you build protagonists however you want, you can build your entire party however you want. Mm-hmm. And like, doing, like, SMT4 Apocalypse, I remember I showed it to you one time. Yes. And like doing, because I'm doing a gun build and I showed you like all my moves and it's like, you know, group attack with gun, dex base, dex build and everything. I'm like, magic build is a completely different beast because you have to, you have to plan your entire team out very differently. Okay. And you have to, uh, because I'm relying on crits to get extra turns, but if I was going magic, I'd need every single kind of spell element. I'd need buffs for that kind of element and everything like that. And it, there wasn't much equipment to do that, so I'm very much dependent on my skill set versus my armor and equipment. Okay. That makes sense. But, uh, yeah, turn-based RPGs... It's a dying art, man. It sucks. It is a dying art. There are still a sizable amount of turn-based RPGs coming out, but not nearly... They aren't as big as they used to be. It's definitely a dying genre. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like because it is a dying genre, there is a definitely an opportunity for a revitalization of turn-based RPGs because... It's got to be more than just... Yeah, I know you have a point you're about to get to, but it's got to be more than just, you know, like, my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn. It's got to be something like, you know, SMT or Persona does with, like, one more or a... Uh... 
one, once more in Persona and then press turn in SMT. Yeah. There needs to be more tactical options. You need to mix up the formula a little bit. But also the thing that would carry a lot of turn-based RPGs that used to carry them back in the day is a great story to follow. Because you got to think iconic stories such as Final Fantasy VII. They carried the game. Like the gameplay was serviceable. It was good. Final Fantasy VII has so many mechanics. Like uh, exactly. Like you can one of the mat- materials you get affect your level up growth as well. And I'm like, that's yeah. a little. Mm. Yeah. But you understand what I mean. It's a lot easier to get through a turn-based system, even if like you were like me and you didn't enjoy it. If you enjoy the story that it's trying to tell. Yeah. Like which big- is the main problem about SMT five. But yeah. Yeah. Well, no person, unless you were just... I love that game, by the way. Yeah. The story's awful. Yeah, but you enjoy it for the gameplay. But some people like a good story to go along with serviceable, fun, you know. But Persona 5 so popular. Yeah, Persona 5 is a very character-driven game. Even though it is a turn-based RPG, every character has an important role to play in the story and the greater narrative. It's just like in a game like Wasteland 3 or XCOM, the story and the premise of each of those games is so interesting that it carries you through standard things that per- a person who does not enjoy turn-based combat, like myself, dude, I play XCOM just enjoy. to see what the hell what the hell Alien is going to show up next. Exactly, it's the uh, character design aspect, enemy design aspect. There's things other than just the turn-based combat carrying you through the game. Like, one of my favorite things, specifically I was mentioning Wasteland 3, I really love the post-apocalyptic take that they're following. Because it's completely unique from anything I've ever seen. And I do know that Wasteland was the predecessor to what we now know as Fallout, but let's be honest, Fallout has not been an RP, a proper RPG since New Vegas. in the turn-based setting. Oh, since Fallout, since Fallout Two. Oh, you're you're going much more talking, to the heart. I was talking traditional Fallout, so top-down, turn-based RPG elements, old-school RPG. Wasteland Three is sort of a good example. What of Fallout could have been, right? What Fallout could have very easily kept on being, and Wasteland Three is also great because it's an old concept the turn-based rpg with cover elements and different character abilities classes weapons stats skill points party management inventory management everything you'd expect from a game like that but it gives it sort of a new flavorful twist and it doesn't feel clunky it feels intuitive it's very easy to follow i feel like if turn-based rpgs are going to make a comeback they need to sort of follow the example set by games such as wasteland 3 but it's also an issue of companies, you know, the, you know, the biggest giants of RPGs like Square Enix, Atlas. Well, Atlas is still going strong, but Square Enix has near abandoned it. Oh yeah, Bethesda. They're, they're making action games these days. Let's not lie to ourselves. Well, they're trying to pass themselves off as an RPG company, and I could go into a very extensive rant about Bethesda, but I'll condense it all into a short, quick little spew. Bethesda realized that the action multiplayer game market was something they are not equipped for with Fallout 76. And so they're trying to retreat back more to their roots with uh, Starfield. That has been recently revealed at the most recent E3. It's not in development since I've been been alive. 
it's been in development for a very long time. I'd say since soon after Skyrim came out. It's been nearly a decade, if I'm not mistaken. But they finally got a gameplay reveal. It looks promising. It definitely needs more polish. But if Bethesda plays their cards right, they could very easily reinstate themselves as the king of RPGs that they were whenever Oblivion and Fallout 3 and Skyrim were coming out. Obsidian's doing some good things too. Obsidian is definitely making moves in the right direction, but the problem with Obsidian is no matter what they make, everyone will always say, yeah, but how does it compare to Fallout New Vegas in this sense? Yeah, which is the main problem with the Outer Worlds being reviewed. Exactly, because everyone wants to compare it to a previous work. And what people don't realize about the gaming industry is in the, what would have been seven, eight years between New Vegas being released and Outer Worlds being released, there's always staff change up in any industry. Like that, I remember hearing they have an entirely new writing team since now and then. Yeah, so you're not going to get the same writing as New Vegas, but that at the same time makes you appreciate games like The Outer Worlds and New Vegas as their own individual unique products in the action RPG market. Because even though they are action RPGs, there's still a plethora of choices to make in both games. Now, New Vegas, I don't. New Vegas has its own niche because its writing is very fantastic and I honestly don't think it's something that could be replicated ever again to that level of fine tinkering with the plot and making a very cohesive story while also including a lot of different world building elements. But you can get darn close. So there's no reason to not shoot not only for the New Vegas level of narrative fluidity but also beyond that level of narrative fluidity to where you can tell a very coherent, multi-layered story with a lot of players and a lot of moves being made while also not making it overwhelming for the player to follow. Speaking of, like, you know, like, stories in a game, Brave Little Fall 2 so far, pretty, pretty, you know, bog-standard RPG story. Okay. One of my favorite parts is party chats, where you'll be going around and a party chat button will come up and it'll be your party talking about, you know, the area they're in, the dungeon they're in, or something just happened, just them acting casually. Yeah. And you really grow attached to the characters that way. And that's another big element of RPGs too is the characters. The characters. Because it is how do I put this? And you're probably gonna be inclined to agree with me. There are way too many stereotypes and archetypes being presented in turn-based RPGs these days of what kind of person a character is. Yes. Now, archetypes for like a character, you know, mechanically, please keep those. <laughs> Yeah, of course, but you understand what I mean. The mage, the warrior, the paladin, those archetypes, not only of, like you said, ability, but personality. You sort of have an image in your mind of what you think they're going to be. Like, that's the really good thing about Railway to Fall 2 is no character has a set thing. Yeah. You you pick what they are. I mean, some characters are better at other things, which is true. Hmm. Because the character trained in the Wizard Academy, of course, is going to be a better wizard, but... Yeah, of course. He can still be a brawler like the rest of them, perfectly fine yeah and i think that should be a bigger element in role-playing games is having more agency over what type of character not necessarily you start out with but with what sort of character i'm very excited up with i'm very excited about my next pick but we should go on because we'll we'll be on this conversation forever and i want to hear what your thing is yeah okay we'll move on to the next segment
Okay, so we took a bit of a break between the previous segment and this one, and I mentioned to Gabe that the game that I was going to bring up for my game that I think everybody listening should check out is a game that anyone can enjoy. I shuddered like a like a leaf right before fall. But we did discuss at the beginning of this podcast how we do have a lot of differences in taste, and this is one of the most stark examples that I could think of. A game or I guess more accurately, a franchise that I think that anyone who has not played it should check out is the Skate franchise. (laughs) (laughs) This is where you're going with it? Yeah. And my reasoning for picking the Skate franchise is not necessarily because it is an insane, intensive game that only hardcore people can enjoy, but more so because it is an excellent game that you can either get insanely good at or be a novice at and always have fun regardless of what you're doing. Skate 3 is not a very demanding game, but it is a game that encourages a lot of creativity. You probably run on your Samsung smart fridge. No, it you would easily like a PlayStation 3. So for those of you who don't know, Skate is uh, of the previous comp two console generations ago now. So it came out originally, the original Skate came out for the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3, and as did Skate 2 and Skate 3. Now, my recommendation to you is that if you only have time to play one of the three, even though I heavily encourage you to try all three of them out, is definitely pick Skate 2, because it is probably the most refined, down-to-earth experience between all three, and it definitely has a very good multiplayer that still holds up today even though the servers are shut down, but some co-op is always a good idea with your oh, friends man. on the couch. Couch co-op is sadly a dying art, and I hate every second of it dying. Yeah, definitely is. But, Isaac, why skate? Why not play something else like the Tony Hawk franchise? Why not play another indie skate title that's out on Steam right now, or on my Xbox Game Pass, or on my PlayStation Plus account? The reason I picked skate is because the controls are easy to pick up, but hard to master. As I said earlier, you can play this game as a novice or play this game as an absolute madman who knows every little thing about every little part of every little map, but you can still find the same amount of Someone who knows about, someone who knows the code on gravity and can do the math in their mind of that game. Basically, yeah. But another reason why Skate is so appealing is because you have a plethora of challenges in each game to complete, all of which are of a different variety of challenges, asking you to do different things, whether it be tricks on specific spots, specific structures, uh, filming. So for those of you who don't know, the premise of every skate game is to sell as many skateboards as possible and basically become a skate empire mogul. So that way you have your own board company and your own skateboarding brand. And in order to do that, you have to promote yourself through a variety of means, whether that be magazine magazine features, filming lines that you skate around the place. Uh, in Skate 3, you get to recruit new team members to be added to your brand. You have to do promotional materials for them. You can race against other skateboarders, just all sorts of things like that. But the best part about it is you don't need to know anything about skate culture to appreciate it because I will admit, I used to skateboard when I was younger. I was not very good at it. You did it one time in Moon. Yeah, I did it one time in college, but then I promptly quit because I realized having a skateboard on a brick layout 
for the sidewalk was not a good idea. Unless I, I remember I was sitting in that recliner and just walked back in holding it. I'm like, oh, how'd it go? <laughs> yeah, which I enjoyed it, but it was a bumpy ride. Anyways, we're getting off topic. But skate is also very good in another aspect because even after you quote unquote beat it, you've done every challenge, you've done every conceivable thing, the game points you in the right direction to do, you still have a ample opportunity to make your own fun and to make your own lines and to film your own stuff. And it's just really inviting. It's a game that welcomes you to try. It's a very great cohesive sandbox experience that really puts the power of choice in your hands. It's got a very intuitive system called the spot system to where you can set a marker of a spot that you want to hit over and over again to try to get the perfect line or the perfect trick. And if you fumble, if you fall, you can hit two buttons and then warp right back to where you began and just hit it right all hit it right all over again. So I have a question. Yes. How come there's only three skate games? That is a very good question. <laughs> but luckily for you, there is a fourth skate game on the way. But skate was meant skate one was really just meant as a initial experiment. They did not go into it anticipating a trilogy. But the game sold well enough. Uh, EA executives decided to give it a second outing in Skate 2, which arguably did even better than Skate 1. And then finally, Skate 3 came out in 2010, 2011, somewhere in that time frame. And it was really seen as a prodigy of its time. But Skate 3, unfortunately, wasn't as earth-shattering as Skate 2 was. It sort of just toted along the line due to its very short development time. I believe it was around a year or less than a year. So they really didn't have a lot of time to fine tune the game or introduce a lot of new mechanics. So the reason there's only three skate games is not because of the developer's fault. It's more so because of EA's fault, which is a very common phrase. I like hearing EA sucks. (laughs) Yeah. But even so, Skate 3 is still a very enjoyable game just because it's in the hands of a very capable studio. And as if it wasn't enough of a reason to get into Skate now, there is a new skate game on the way that, that they it is currently it will be free to play according to ea now what that means exactly we don't know we don't have any fine details on that yet you can you can sell your blood by plugging your iv through your controller i don't think it'll be that drastic but if it is i'd still probably be right there <laughs> skate 4 or the skate reboot or whatever they're going to call it i think it's just called skate i think it is just called skate as of right now but they might change that but the game's in what they lovingly refer to as pre-pre-alpha, but they still released a test to allow people to try to find bugs and the texture and terrain and stuff like that. So you can actually go online right now and Skate has a very niche, but still very active community. A lot of people still play Skate 1 through 3, most notably Skate 3, due to the massive map size and abundance of opportunities in the terrain to skate. But it's a lot of fun. It's worth a try. And if you don't like it, well, then you must just be really bad at video games because even the most novice of novices could really get into this game and enjoy it. But basically what I'm trying to say, not to insult anybody out there, Skate is definitely a game with your time. It's worth your attention. And even if you're not good at other games, you can get good at Skate. And Skate is definitely worth go for your money plus it came the last entry came out in like 2011 so it's dirt cheap right now i know as of right now on xbox game pass or even just the xbox store it is extremely man i wish we got paid for these yeah me too (laughs) i wish i got a sponsorship from ea 
I'd say no, personally. But I'd probably have to pay them first to get the sponsorship. But it's definitely worth a try. It's worth your money. It's worth the investment. It's a very enjoyable game. It's still got a very active community, even if they are somewhat small online. And there's a lot of opportunity. And if you get this game for 10 bucks, that's a steal right there because there's easily over $100 worth of enjoyment in every installment of the Skate franchise. So for that reason, I heartily recommend you get into one of the Skate games, especially before the reboot comes out because it's going to be free to play. And I hope you're ready day one because everyone else that's a skate maniac has already been practicing in the pre-alpha alpha for the pre-pre-alpha. So I'm going to hand you something light enough that it won't hurt me permanently, but enough to, you know, shock me just okay. in case I get out of line. Okay. It is a Pokin tournament switch box, but yeah, just right on the head if I say something out of line. Okay. Eh? You don't like the skate games? I don't like games where you just where you just jump in and you play and you and it's just like you know like beating your own scores and like and trying to master little things like you know I mean I like my million hour RPGs yeah and I'm not playing that I'm playing like Splatoon or you're doing a thousand yard stare right now what's wrong with me or like Splatoon Etrian Odyssey Pokemon or some fighting game. I, I want to be able to. What's what I'm looking for? See, see, not improvement in the in like how the game plays, which you know, like my own mastery of the game. I want to see like the fruits of my labor of planning with the game. I, that's why I like my RPGs. Okay. Well, in that case, I would not recommend Skate to you. <laughs> I'm just gonna be completely legitimate for you. If you are the type of person like my friend here who enjoys the RPG, who enjoys getting in-game rewards, who enjoys uh very much going out and ticking off boxes and going out throughout the world to get out there and get stuff done then i'm just gonna be honest with you skate is probably not the game for you and you know what that's a-okay if you enjoy rpgs if you enjoy a good collectathon, if you enjoy trophy hunting skate is probably just not for you and you know what that's a-okay like the only game i kind of like like that is neon white because it's a speed Story's terrible, but it's a, it's a speedrunner game, and I normally don't like those, but that one, looks, it makes you feel good about, like, shaving off seconds, making a perfect run. And normally, I couldn't care less. But like you're saying about, you know, getting your money's worth of the game, I, I have a decent rule of one dollar you spend on it for every hour you're gonna spend it. Okay. And that's a really good rule of thumb to have a playing a game. That is a really good rule of thumb, I agree with you there. But... To counter so you got Mass Effect Trilogy for a steal today. I did. For those of you who don't know, I picked up the Mass Effect uh, remaster. No one would know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just saying it for the sake of <laughs> cohesion. But yeah, since you don't know, <laughs> I picked up the Mass Effect remaster Trilogy today at the at a mall for $25. So I definitely got a good cool. steal on that. Because I've never played the Mass Effect Trilogy before. But we're getting off topic and I'm going to rebuttal real fast about skate franchise to my buddy here who just dissed it right in front of my face so i gave you something heavy to pit me with no i'm not gonna hit you with anything the reason why it i recommended skate, good audio the reason why i recommend skate to everybody is because uh, there are challenges and fruits of your labor to do you unlock new things unlock new outfits so there is a progression system in each game it's not the progression system you maybe want but there is there for people who want it the main appeal but is can skate. I kill God at the end? 
No, you cannot. So you probably shouldn't be playing that game to begin with. <laughs> if you're like my friend here and you like killing stuff, then skate is probably not the game for you. Although you can harass pedestrians, it's not encouraged. <laughs> it's about the skateboarding, hence the name Skate. <laughs> so. It's not prohibited, just not encouraged to mess with pedestrians. The only reason you should mess with pedestrians is if they are in the way of the line you're currently trying to skate. That's like the main reason why those options are even in the game is to get people out of the way if you're trying to hit a spot. We're getting sidetracked. So yeah, if you're out to just kill stuff and become insanely strong or have an insanely good story through a narrative perspective with a very good turn-based system, then yeah, I wouldn't recommend an open world skateboarding game to you. <laughs> But at the same time, it's a game that's... The in, duality of man, the duality, the duality of man. And this boils down to one critical point. That's the difference between you and me when we game. You are very much there for the end. You very much want to... No, but let me explain. Yeah, you, I get it. Very, but still, it's a very, very... It's a blunt way to put it. No, but it's two types of gamers. You are very much there for the quests. You're there for the collectibles. You're there to tick off the boxes. And that's a great way to enjoy a game because following those lines, you can find a lot of stuff and do a lot of things the way the game intends you to do it. Me, I enjoy breaking the game. I enjoy <laughs> pushing the limits and seeing what the game can handle with what ideas I have. So for games like Skate... You, you like breaking a game like Bane broke Batman. Basically, yeah. It's completely like, in half. No, but it's like, it's like the Lego analogy. Whether you build using the instructions or build using whatever comes up in your mind what matters is the enjoyment you get out of what you got and i feel like that's one of the best things as demonstrated with the first two games that we brought up and it just reveals there's different types of enjoyment to be found in a variety of different games so that was me trying to come back after you basically just said yeah i'm not playing skate because i was a little shocked i'm not i'm not gonna lie but at the same time you explaining your reasoning Dude, I watched you play it when we when we were in the dorm together. Yeah, and, and you just knew, like, and you knew I just played it to kill time. Yeah, that's. But I don't like playing. I like playing games with a mission. Yeah, exactly, and th that's what I'm saying. I play games to relax. I play it to chill out. But you very much are focused and purpose driven when you play a game. You're in there to do something, and that is something I wish I could do because I cannot tell you how many games go by that I just don't finish. Because yeah, see, he just cringed when I said that. But if a game does not have a compelling enough story or a compelling enough gameplay loop for me to see it through, I'm just not, I'm just not there. Boy, I'm going to go even deeper into the duality of man on my pick. <laughs> okay. Well, that is my reasoning as to why I think you should try the Skate franchise. Definitely before the reboot hits, but... But if you don't like EA, uh... Yeah. If you don't like EA, still give it a shot. And maybe maybe find a pre-owned copy. Well, the reason you should give it a shot is because this was before EA went completely bonkers and started price tagging everything in their little, in every little thing in their games. And before they started shoving unfinished products out the door. As a matter of fact, Skate 3 is a very good example of them barely scraping by to get a product out the door. That's besides the point. Skate is a safe bet from EA because it's old EA, not new EA. When EA actually- Well, I'm more so games. just- Maybe find a physical pre-owned copy. Let's not give that's, EA as much money. That's the way to go. Definitely go on, you can go on eBay, you can go on Amazon, find a physical disc copy of Skate. Uh, it is backwards compatible on Xbox One right now. And I think by extension, Xbox One X. 
I don't know how the Xbox next gen works. At least yeah. PS5 is simple to me. It's a number. Yeah, I don't think it's available on PS3, but I think that's the only PlayStation you can currently play it on. So sorry to a, the plethora of PS4 owners out there. The PS4 like 10 times more popular than the 3. Yeah, it was insanely popular, but it also you got to keep in mind that the Xbox 360 was the console to have during that generation. You know why it was the console to have for that generation? You told me this before because your friends had a lot. Call of Duty and Halo. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason why everybody had an Xbox 360 because all of the big mainstream titles that everybody wanted to play were on Xbox 360. So and another reason a lot of people picked up COD is because of DLC early access. If you owned a 360, you got DLC for Call of Duty a month before PlayStation users did. That's and it, egregious. And it also had one of the best FPS franchises of all time on there with Halo. With some of the best FPS games of all time. Like Halo 3. Er, Man, Halo now that 3, I have a computer that can run Halo, I really should try it now. You definitely should. I highly recommend it. I doubt that. I'd ever play multiplayer. I'm a campaign kind of man if I play those games. You do, In that case, I cannot recommend the Master Chief Collection to you enough. It is a great, great homage to the great days of Halo. Just whatever you do, don't play Halo 4 as your first. And do you not. Start with one and you keep going. It can't be that hard. Well, if you want to, you can start with one uh and then play reach to understand what led up to one that's the order i'd encourage because well, everyone knows how reach ends ends yeah but it is in my opinion reach is the best halo game ever made but I, a, I, that is ain't controversial from what i've heard yeah that's that's a discussion for another day because the multiplayer was fantastic the campaign was very memorable see my issue with multiplayer with shooters is you've seen me you've thrown something at me yeah. and you know it will hit me before i bring my hands up yeah but at the same time, you can find enjoyment from the campaign, like you were saying. Yeah. So that's why I recommended the Master Chief Collection and not Halo Infinite. Because Halo Infinite, that's the only thing keeping it afloat right now. I thought it was just co-op right now. No, no. Halo Infinite has a... It very much still has a decent multiplayer scene. But the campaign was good for a little while. But it kind of fell off hard because it's not... Had some interesting ideas, but it was nothing remarkable, if that makes any sense. It's very forgettable, especially when compared to other entries in the Halo franchise, like the beginning, Halo 1, Halo Reach, Halo ODST, the spinoff game of 3. So it had some big shoes to fill, and it barely filled half of them, I guess is the impression that I've gotten from it. Uh, you want to move on to our next segment? Let's move right on to our next segment. So, the old school RPGs were these dungeon crawlers, right? Okay. Etrian Odyssey 2. Is that your choice for this segment? It's actually Etrian Odyssey 5, so I just kind of flubbed it. Oh, okay. So, remember that game? We were in the game store this this afternoon. I was like, and I and I looked at the game case of 3DS games, and I like jumped on it, like. Yeah. It was a spinoff of Etrian Odyssey. Okay. So, Etrian Odyssey is an old school dungeon crawler first person dungeon crawler and there's barely any story to speak of okay you and this game doesn't give you anything you you make your own map on the bottom screen at 3ds you make your own map to explore the dungeon yeah okay 
That's interesting. You build your party from scratch. There aren't characters. There's classes you pick, and you pick a few. You pick their voice. You pick a few options, and you build them from the ground up to be exactly what you want to be. It is the best game I've ever played for being able to micromanage a bunch of little killers. See, we were just getting off of a segment talking about the duality of man, and that just further proves it right there. But at the same time, I completely understand where you're coming from, because that game sounds appealing to me. But at the same time, you know what doesn't sound appealing to me? The turn-based aspect of it, oddly enough. Yeah. That premise sounds very exciting, but I just can't get behind turn-based combat. Yeah, I mean, it has a lot of really cool systems. Like, uh, Etrian Odyssey 5 has the uh, Link system, where there's certain classes, I think it's mainly Fencer, where it, they'll set up in a stance, and if anyone uses a elemental of the stance they're in, or stabbing damage, they'll do an extra attack. So you're planning out your turns around, like, who's attacking with what? How are we doing this? Okay. And there's, like, 20 different class not 20, there's, like, 18 different, there's 12 different classes, and then you can only have five party members. Okay. And it's stuff like you have the Reaper class that someone that someone's ghost and you can sacrifice them to do stat buffs. You have the Ranger class that someone's falcons and dogs to do to do extra attacks with and augment their own attacks. You have the Shaman which boosts up your entire party. You have the Dragoon which is just a big a dude with a big shield and a gun. It's pretty neat, honestly. Like it's really enticing premise. What else can you tell me about it? Try to sell me on this one. Because it's the premise has got me hooked. Make me overlook the fact that it's a turn-based RPG. Or at least hype up the system enough to where I want to get it. Hmm. It's hard. It's definitely for the hardcore fans. That's the issue. Okay. Well, that right there is a bit of a turnoff for me. Uh, I'm just... Look, I'm going to okay. try. I'm going to try. Okay, try. You you get you you want to make a party of all frontline bruisers and you just want to steamroll every little thing you come across. Yeah, because you you can literally cut on auto battle and you'll be fine if okay. you're on the easier difficulties. Okay. It just and the dungeons are really pretty looking. There's a lot of cool puzzles, and that make full use of the map system. Because it's very much a cartography dungeon crawler more than a turn-based RPG sometimes. Okay. Boss fights really fun, a little easy, and there's. And if back in the day when three, you know, 3DS had Street Pass, yeah, uh, you would come across other char- other people's characters in the dungeon if you land on certain squares, Ooh. and and you'll trigger certain side quest things as you're walking through the dungeon. If you land on certain tiles, there'll be stuff like, oh, your party sees a turtle. What do you do? Like choose your own adventure books from back in the day. I got you. So it's very open-ended in that aspect, but it is... Yeah, and you're finding, like, MP spots. Because this is a game where, like, you know, like, you are conserving, like, every little bit of your magic points and your HP. It's it's a limited inventory you're running with, and you have to keep what you have. Okay. And it's just, you're exploring. You get rewarded by how much the map you make. You get rewarded by how many enemies you report on. Because you you are explorers in this dungeon that people have not explored before. Okay. You aren't these. You aren't these brain heroes trying to save the world. You are literally ex- an ex- exploration team trying to trying to track this place, figure out what's all in it, figure out what resources we can use. Okay. Gotcha. That definitely sounds interesting. I'd like to check it out. Is it only on the DS? Yeah, with the eShop closing. Yeah, it's probably not gonna be good. But it's still, I do still own my DS, as I'm sure a lot of people do. So I might check it out in the future. It definitely sounds interesting. And there's and there's seven games. 
So there's plenty of content. Yeah. So there's one and two actually have a story mode. Okay. But the rest are pretty, you know, open. Okay, pretty open-ended. Yeah. Every, everything I've ever heard is five is the best overall. Nexus is the longest game with the most content, but it gets samey. And two is the best of the story ones. Okay. So I've always heard two and five are the best games. Okay, that makes sense. See, my entire thing is, it's not necessarily the difficulty of getting into a game. It's more so the patience of playing a game and learning every little system. Because I will admit, I'm a bit of a meathead when it comes to stuff like that in my RPGs. Because I'm very much a... Uh, you play sword. Devil May Cry. You run in there to perfect, like action combat. I run in there to make my party do a little bit more lightning damage. Yeah, but I play Devil May Cry because it's fairly mechanically demanding, but also, and also because you get a sense of mastery. But I was just going to say something comparable in terms of difficulty. I have played and beaten every single Souls game, from Demon Souls all the way up to the recent Elden Ring. So difficulty is not something I shy away from. I enjoy a good, difficult game that's well made. It's the mechanics. What turns me off is the mechanics and the gameplay loop. I just can't, I cannot get behind dungeon crawling. Like, incessant dungeon crawling, just sort of... And that's all Etrian Odyssey is. Pure dungeon crawling. Yeah, so for for that reason, I don't feel like it'd be something for me. Just being completely straightforward and honest with you. Just like Skate 3, Skate franchise was just not for you. Hmm? But it is just a difference in taste. Like it's it's fun for me because I have having a botanist in the party run across a bunch of flowers, and because I have a botanist, they're like, "Hey, I can harvest this," and they recover their MP because of it. Like I, this game has a lot of little touches like that, and I love it. That makes sense. You good? Oh, yeah, I was just yawning. <laughs> Am I not allowed to yawn? No, I've been. I didn't sleep well last night. Well, whose fault is that? It's probably mine. You said you were up till 4 a.m. even though we, I left you at 2. Yes, because I started watching YouTube and the YouTube rabbit hole always sucks me in about two hours more than you ever wanted to. So that ended up happening to me, so that was not very good. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm, I'm fine. I'll go to sleep here in the next three hours or so. Oh, boy. Hopefully. You never know, though. But how do I put this? I'm intrigued by the premise But the only thing keeping me from playing this game or checking it out on my DS is the fact that it's turn-based. Because I just, I don't want to have to pull up a spreadsheet every time I want to enjoy an RPG. Sometimes it's fun to spec your points, make mistakes, and go back and try something different Well, that's the really good thing. Like, the points in this game, you're just unlocking moves and strengthening them. It's not like you are, like, you have to save up for, like, you know, god tier. It's like, it's a light little skill tree because you're supposed to have 30 different party members. You're trying to balance and you can only bring in five. Okay. You're a manager of this whole guild. I am only using five. Okay. I have a nice team of what I like and I'm sticking with it. Okay. But the game very much encourages you to experiment with all the different classes. Okay. In that regard, I'm more enticed to play it. I'll think on it some more. I'll definitely look into it more. I'd decide pretty quick. Yeah. But I'll definitely check it out going forwards. And I think if that sounds up your alley, listeners, you should as well. Because this may be a conversation between the two of us, but you are the unwitting third participant that just happens to be mute for our little conversation. Duct tape and tied up, right? Yeah, duct tape and tied up. 
I'm what? glad my mic doesn't have duct tape on it why, yet. Why did you say that? <laughs> like, I try my best to play that off. How do you play that off? You're just like, yeah, we kidnapped him. And I'm like, what? what? We did what? I, I didn't buy my mic. It was a gift. Well, there's nothing wrong with getting a gift, but did you have to kidnap for your gift? Was it a ransom prize or something? It was from a devoted listener who could not deal with my stupid setup anymore. Oh. That actually sounds very, very reasonable, knowing you. Because you probably just recorded with your laptop mic, didn't you? Even worse. What'd you record with? Your phone mic? Even worse. Your DS mic? Near worse. Your headphone mics? Yeah. Oh, man. My Beats Studio Buds. Oh, man. God, that is tragic. There's a reason I never pushed you to listen. I deleted those out of episodes, too. I don't blame you because the quality would probably be too bad for anybody to stand it for more than five minutes. It's hard to maintain viewers. Dude, I had people like that would listen for two seconds and never touch my podcast again. Yeah, I can see why because the quality is just so bad. But it'd be like that sometimes, man. They just do. Yeah, I'd love to keep them up for historical purposes, but they were always the first thing people listened to and never touched again. Yeah, that's probably for the best that you're updating and changing stuff. But anyways, is there anything else you want to add about this turn-based RPG dungeon crawler before we move on to the next segment? He's thinking, ladies and gentlemen. Honestly, my main complaint is... I wish it was easier to level up party members so I could try out more of the classes. Okay. So you feel sort of shoe... Like, I I have what I picked. I have what I picked, essentially. You feel sort of pigeonholed into you... Because it's only effective to play with the people you start with. You because the game's very good about not having to grind unless you want new characters. Okay, and you feel like in that regard it keeps you from experimenting as much as you want to. Yeah. Okay, that makes because sense. even in the same class, there's two different subclasses for everybody and then different moves you can specialize in. I got you. Like, my ranger is hawk-based. I got you. But you'd like to experiment with different subclasses for... Yeah, like Necromancer, Warlock. Okay. That makes sense then, also. I can see that being a major barrier to getting the most out of the game. Is that something they address in the sequels, or do they just sort of leave it? This game's locked to the 3DS, man. Huh? This, all the Atrian Odyssey games have that flaw. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Which kind of sucks. Yeah, it does. But at the same time, it's good to recognize the faults of stuff you enjoy. Yeah, I really hope they make a new one for Switch, but at this point, I'm not holding my breath. Atlas has Persona. It's made by Atlas. Oh, so they're focusing on Persona because it's a bigger seller. Persona, SMT, because Soul Hackers is coming out later this year. I got you. That makes sense, then. Well, hopefully one day the franchise will make a return with fans. It, it wouldn't be the same kind of game just because they wouldn't have you wouldn't have the cartography part without the bottom screen. It kind of sucks. Well, you can still do it with the Switch because you have the Switch screen, but it wouldn't be the same. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know how There's do one that. game I know of that forces you to play in handheld mode. And this, you'd be switching back and forth, I feel. Yeah, that'd be a bit jarring. Because I remember uh, 
similar note, when the Wii U was a thing, that's oh, how I... That would have been perfect for Etrian, honestly. Yeah, that's how I first experienced Batman Arkham City. It was the worst gaming experience I've ever had, but I was young and dumb, so I beat the entire thing. But let me tell you, having the Wii U gamepad being where you access all of your gadgets was the clunkiest, most obnoxious thing they could have implemented as a gameplay system. But like, I, I love Splatoon 1 on the Wii U because the gamepad was like, it was a map of the entire battlefield you were in because it's a competitive shooter. Yeah. And you could see everything going on on the map. You could see all your party members and you could instantly warp to one of them. But just like, well, instantly. You could just click a button and then look back at the TV. Okay, yeah, that makes sense then. It, I, the Wii U gamepad was very good for like information. Yeah. And there are a few games where you get to play exclusively using the gamepad as your screen. Yeah. The Switch is such a good step up, man. Yeah. Oh, look, I can play games. I can play Dark Souls on the toilet. Yeah, why would you add to your misery when you're already on the toilet? Dark Souls is best enjoyed in the middle of the day, so that way you still have time to make your day a better one after you get curb stomped for the 50th time. On I'm the same still boss. stuck in the Undead Berg, man. Are you really? Yes. Have you not beaten the boss in the Undead Berg? The dragon keeps nuking me. You gotta time your run. Find the. We, we had this entire conversation about my reaction time. That's true. Maybe, maybe the Soul series isn't for me now I'm thinking about it physically. Uh, you might be able to get by with Dark Souls 3. Definitely not 2, but 3 might be up your alley. Elden Ring, I can at least play Magic and break the game in half. Yeah, they've, really, they've nerfed Magic a good bit more, but people are still insistent just because they put so many points into a certain class that it's still good. But in reality, the ideal situation for Elden Ring is that everything is viable because that's what they were going for when they made the game. But we're getting off topic. Yeah, you're up next, buddy. All right. Okay, so moving on to the next game that I wanted to bring up on the podcast. And Gabe is not going to like this one because it is a first-person shooter. Yeah, see, he doesn't like FPSs, never really has. The game, as some of you have, may have heard of it, is called Insurgency Sandstorm. Now, oh, you mentioned this. I did a mention lot this, this weekend. Because I've easily put 30 hours into it over the past week. It is very addictive, pretty demanding, pretty fun. Let me explain. So, Insurgency is not your typical Call of Duty or Battlefield that is very much about flashy spectacle. It is very much a gameplay-oriented game. And what do I mean by that? Well, to be completely transparent and honest with you, the game is not the prettiest thing I've ever seen. I know, gasp. But despite that, the game looks decent enough. It runs pretty well on PC. I would highly recommend playing on at least PlayStation 4 Pro if you have it. But it will run fairly decently on a PlayStation you P- 4. You PS5 owner aristocrat. Yes, one of the 10 people who own a PS5. That's me. I play on the PS5. The game runs fine. Of course it does. I hear you say. But a PS4 or a PS4 Pro will run just fine as well. As well as I think it's on Xbox. It's definitely on Xbox One. But anyways, back to what I was saying. The reason why I so heartily recommend Insurgency and why I got so into it is because it is very much unique in this market of first-person shooters. Due to its attention to detail, 
on realism. In this game, if you get shot once or twice, you are a dead man walking. And I hear you saying, well, that's no big freaking deal because so does this game, so does that game. But this game, unlike Arma 2 or 3, unlike Escape from Tarkov, unlike Hell Let Loose, is very much still a small team-based first-person shooter. Most game modes in PvP are 10v10, a fairly sizable arena, but still, you're not completely overwhelmed with everything going on. You're still able to focus and get things done. There's also attention to detail on how the guns are handled. Every single gun has a real-life counterpart. All of the attachments can be found in real life. And the emphasis is not on your muzzle being centered at the middle of the screen. Wherever the end of your gun is pointing is where the bullet is going to be fired. So this emphasizes not just spraying and praying everywhere you go like so many other first-person shooters. Me whenever I play a first-person shooter. Yeah, exactly. It emphasizes control, it emphasizes precision, it emphasizes getting to know one gun and mastering it before moving on to the next one. And for that reason, it really affords a lot of opportunities because the pistol is just as deadly as the rifle, the shotgun works in a similar way as it would in real life, in other words, the range is extended considerably than what you're used to in most games. And to add on to this variety, there are a lot of different classes with a lot of a lot of different specific abilities and weapons available to them. For example, you have the basic class, the rifleman that everybody will start out with, then you have the breacher which is your close quarters SMG shotgun specialist that has access to flashbangs. Go, go, go. Exactly. Then you have the demolitions person who has access to explosives and things like RPGs and rocket launchers. Then you have observers, which are basically in this context of the game, uh, foreign mercenaries who have access to exotic, very uh, pricey weaponry. And then you also have classes uh, that are able to coordinate and call an air support together, as well as a commander class that sort of spearheads the entire operation. And for those of you who are not very big on PvP, don't give up on Insurgency Sandstorm yet. While it does not have a campaign, it does have a very good co-op system where basically you and seven other players go into missions together and try to capture objectives through a variety of game modes. There's a survival game mode that functions very similarly to how survival worked in modern warfare 3 with you gaining more points to spend on your weapons and character the more you progress through the rounds starting only off with a basic pistol uh there's also a mode where you have to progress throughout real multiplayer maps and capture zones as you go and occasionally you'll be forced to hold your ground in a counterattack. And it's all done with very, very realistic audio where gun sounds are affected by the terrain. A, gun, a gunshot Pew. in an open field will not sound the same as a gunshot in a small hut. Pew. Exactly. Pew. Exactly. Ballistic velocity plays a very big role. You can tell the difference at range between a pistol and a high-powered rifle. They hit very differently. And the last point that I want to touch on with this game really fast in terms of immersion is that some real-life tactics work very well in this game. Flashbangs are your friends. Smokes are your friends. Like my buddy put using soccer tactics on me playing Mario Strikers. Yeah, exactly. You'd be surprised how effective the real world counterpart is. So if you're very much into a tactical shooter and you know what you're doing, it's definitely something you got to look into. Breaching and clearing is a very big deal. Teamwork and coordination is the name of the game. So this is definitely something you want to get into with some buddies or you want to make some buddies while you're playing it. 
because man, it is a blast playing with at least two or three other people. That's the barrier to entry, I guess. Yeah, but it's not so high a barrier of entry because in every single lobby that I've played in, except for one, with a bunch of people who had Korean or Chinese names, I don't know how they got on there because I don't think the name the game is available over there. So good for them for somehow managing to get around the CCP firewall. That's besides <laughs> the point. Oh yes, yeah, CCP firewall in South Korea. Well, I said Chinese and Korean names, but you know, it never you never know. It could be North Korea. <laughs> That's that's besides the point. They have internet we're, there. We're gonna, they do. It's just very limited internet. Anyways, moving on. Is it the alternate? What I was trying to say is that every single game that I've ever played, except for one, as we just discussed, has people willing to talk to you. Just talk back. Interact with people. Like, just go along with the game and have a good time. It's very easy to meet people. The community is fairly welcoming and inviting. I've never really been criticized or yelled at playing at the game unless you're very big into Milsim. But to be completely honest with you, this is not a Milsim type game. It is realistic in many aspects, but if you want a truly accurate game, it gets you a big old powerhouse of a PC and boot up some Arma. That's probably where you need to be. Somewhere, something like Arma is probably more your speed. But if you're looking for a very tight tactical game that encourages a lot of team cooperation very big emphasis on objective play with specialized roles uh weight of your equipment is a very big factor in how you move how you aim then i do i don't think you could do much better right now than insurgency sandstorm the game is very active on both console and pc as i mentioned earlier it's also got about a 40 dollars price tag so it's more affordable than other games on the market today Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a very low barrier to entry compared to things like COD or Battlefield. And you really can't go wrong giving it a try and having fun with it, meeting some new people, meeting a great community, uh, and sticking with a great game that's continuing to get updates, continuing to get support from the developers. They're very much invested in the project, as is the community that they support. So I honestly think you can't go wrong by picking up Insurgency Sandstorm. And that's basically just been my eight-minute odd pitch about why you should pick the game up. And I really think it's... It seems fun for everything you said. It's... I can honestly say this. I have sort of become disillusioned with Call of Duty and Battlefield, especially the past four years or so. They have fallen off very hard in my eyes. So I really think... Honestly, any game with year, year, yearly release it just kind of puts me off. I agree. It needs more time to bake in the oven before it's ready to be consumed. Because a Call of Duty game is played, and then someone buys a new one just to play the multiplayer again. Yeah, and it makes. And you have something like, you know, I'm a Nintendo fanboy. You have something like Splatoon 2 that's been out for five years, and it's just now getting a sequel in like two months. Yeah, and I feel like that's sort of where I'm not very big onto every single game being a live service game. No, yeah. But in the context of multiplayer shooters to where you want to hold on to your progress for a very considerable amount of time before you crack open a sequel. I feel like every game should sort of take, I know Overwatch has fallen off hard and Blizzard is kind of a bastardized company these days. Oh yeah, but especially with Diablo Immortal, if you've ever heard any of that. I have. Oh uh, man. It's been very bad. But I feel like every company, if you're going to make a game, a massive, a multiplayer game these days, 
you need to be like insurgency sandstorm to be willing to support it and see it through. Even if you have a bit of a rocky launch like it did with this console release. Oh no. They kept patching it, they kept working with it, and now's a great time to get in on insurgency. It's stable, runs really well on most platforms. And it's just a ton of fun. I've only put 30 hours into it this past week. But I guarantee you I'll probably put 30 more in the next few weeks. I know you're talking about looks of the game earlier, and I just want to put this in there real quick. I don't care if I can see the sweat dripping off a character. Yeah. But I care about the stupid little details, like how, how, how different classes hold their guns or how recoils. Because I was telling you about uh, Brave Default earlier, maybe. Yeah. And he has, a, he has a little lantern. Yeah. At night, and you can actually cast the shadow stuff. I'm like, that's the coolest thing in RPG I've ever seen. Okay, well then, yeah, you would appreciate the attention to detail in Surgency Sandstorm. It's not like the most high-powered 90. It's a nine-gigabyte game. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't have to be, you know, like Van Gogh looking. Exactly. It does not have to be. It doesn't need massive amounts of ray tracing. It doesn't mean insane attention to detail in the environment. Dude, good it is good artwork carries it like Okami. If you've ever seen any pictures of that or gameplay yeah. of that, yeah. that game lives or dies by its art style. Who cares if it's an HD or not? Just yeah. buy an HD these days. It's so much easier getting the old copy. Very true. But yeah, it does its job very well, and it's able to be realistic enough, and you get so warped, like absorbed into the heat of the moment and the situation that you sort of just completely ignore it and the focus is entirely on the gunplay the teamwork the way you move the kit that you're rolling with what you've got on you what your buddy has on you it's very much a very involved very attention grabbing first person shooter it's also encourages you to get better with your guns it encourages you to experiment with what's available to you and for that reason as i said earlier I highly recommend Insurgency Sandstorm right now as probably my favorite FPS out today. Do you want to talk about your pick instead of segmenting? We can jump straight into yours. So my favorite FPS lately is Deep Rock Galactic. Okay, is that what you want to talk about for your next Yeah. Pick? All right, let's get into it. We'll have the FPS segment. Go ahead. Deep Rock Galactic is... And so interesting game. Remember the whole thing of, I like to go, I have a plan in RPG. I'm going to get my first sword. I'm going to kill the first boss. La, 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 and I kill God. Yeah. Every JRPG, you kill God. Let's not lie to In one way or another, yes. Except for two. Xenoblade 2, oddly enough. And that's just technicality. Except for Sephiroth. <laughs> Is he a god? Uh, no, he's just a dude. A strong dude. But a one-winged angel. Yeah. Anyways, continue. Deep Rock Galactic is this kind of it, it's again you you play as dwarves that mine asteroids and sci-fi dwarves that mine asteroids in space. Okay, you have my attention. And it's a first-person shooter. Yes, and it's a mining game. So this game, you just run in and you complete your objective. That's it. No big story. No big lore. And and the whole and there's four different classes and you're fighting against these ant-looking bugs and. And different robots from from rival mining companies. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and it's got a really nice art style. It's kind of harsh, and it's just a bunch of dwarves. Like before you go on a mission, you can get buffs by drinking different kinds of beer. That's actually and you, cool. And your characters can get drunk and pass out. There's a jukebox in the main in the main room, and your characters will do like they'll do the robot, they'll they'll do the sprinkler, they'll do whatever this is. Oh yeah, the running man. Yeah, look at the running man. And and, and it's it is not independent. And the, the the your boss will chime in like, okay, good, good dancing team. 
Now we ain't paying you for dancing. Go get on that rock. <laughs> so as you mentioned, so has it got a very. So whenever you mine, I'm assuming you earn currency of some kind. Or... No, well, there's gold. You mine gold, but like you're you're trying to get like certain time. You're like you're trying to get more kite. A lot of the time, it's more kite or alien eggs. Okay. Or you're trying to get a whole pump station going so you can extract fuel. Okay. It's different kinds of missions. There's four different classes, and it's best play with four people. Okay. The scout class, which is which is you use a grappling hook to get around really easily. You have a shotgun okay. for close range, you have a, and you have a, a machine gun. But you're not very good at fighting. You're very good against single enemies. Against a big group of enemies, you're, you run. Okay. You, you run around. You set down flares. You have a flare gun. You set because this game's in complete darkness. Oh, okay. You, you live or die by flares. And scouts the best at making light in the game. And the two I main. Okay. And you have Gunner who has a mini gun and just is good at taking out a whole sweep of enemies. Okay. And they have a traversal option that is like a. You, it's a it's a zipline system where you can go up or down. Okay. And they're very good about getting certain types of minerals. Because Scout's grappling hook, it's like Attack on Titan. It, it goes to one spot. As soon as you let go or try to do something else, you fall. Okay. And it's gotten me killed so, over and over. Then you have the Driller, which which use drill fuel to go through these rocks. And you mine them that way. And they're the best at clearing areas. Hmm. And they have a flamethrower as their primary weapon. That's pretty cool. As friendly fire, though. Yeah, it's not. That's less cool. My, so, my buddy abuses it to death. Sure. And you have engineer who lay down platforms for people to uh, get around, lay down gun turrets, and I forget what their primary weapon is. I've never played engineer, oh. but I, I I love playing this with my with the three other buddies of mine, and it's so fun. It was when I got my computer for the first time. It was my computer wiring present, and that day we played it for probably three hours. Oh yeah, is that. Uh, because I remember my buddy was giving out two copies. Like, hey, you want one? And you're, and you're like, well, I got a good PC. And that made me really sad. Yeah. But the game's a blast just playing it to play. And you can upgrade your stuff like uh, more more mag- more guns in the mag- more bullets in the magazine. More guns in the magazine would be pretty cool. Just shooting guns. That'd be that's a Borderlands <laughs> weapon right there. <laughs> just shooting guns, shooting guns at ants. <laughs> like, oh man, it's such an awesome thing. But. That's all I have to say for now. I got you. Uh, you ready to close out? You know, just salute. Yeah, salute. It's been nice talking about some games real fast, but we are going to wrap it up here. See you guys later. Bye.